and welcome back to another episode of Real Conversations. I'm your host, Jacob O'Connor. Real Conversations is a podcast for those dedicated to doing hard things and living a meaningful life. This belief is perhaps best encapsulated by a quote from the great Teddy Roosevelt. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, nor the doer deeds could have done them better. Now the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena. With that being said, welcome back to another episode of Real Conversations. And today I'm joined by my good friend, uh, Landon Huseley. Is that how you say it? Nailed it. Yep. Nice. How are you doing, Landon? I'm doing well. How are you, Jacob? I'm good. I'm excited. If you guys are watching the video, which I hope you are, because again, it's a really cool uh, studio that we're in right now. We've got the camera upgrades going on, um, but we are not where we typically record. We're actually in a new location downtown, and so uh, a little bit higher production quality, hopefully, but um, I wanted to talk with Landon today because I think he's got a really cool example that I'll let him kind of share of entrepreneurship and how you can integrate that into your daily life in a way that not only affects other people in a positive way, but is something that you can hopefully move on to doing full time, but it, you can start it off as a side hustle. Yep. And so Landon, I was hoping you could share maybe just a little bit about your story. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'll start uh, kind of towards the beginning. I grew up in the Wichita area, um, ended up going to Wichita state. Um, it was a shocker. I studied mechanical engineering. Um, and so I started out right out of school, um, with Coke industries where I still work. So eight years later, still uh, an engineer for the pipeline group there. Um, and about, I guess I signed up as a rotational engineer. So I'd be rotating locations within the country or within the company and then um, different roles as well. So we, uh, my wife and I, about a, eight months into the job, we moved down to Corpus Christi, Texas. Um, and then when we came back, it was, well, we, we missed Wichita. And so we had the opportunity to come back a little bit early um, from that program. So towards the end of 2016, came back. Um, and a lot of our friends, either from high school, uh, we were high school sweethearts, so had a lot of the same friends, nice. or uh, from college, they had all kind of left to cooler cities. So they went to uh, Denver, Dallas, Casey, San Francisco, you name it. They kind of just moved out of Wichita. It didn't matter where it was, just out of Wichita, because um, there wasn't a lot to do here. And that was kind of, um, I would say, kind of the early part of the renaissance of Wichita like, with the pride of the flag and everything like that. Like growing up in high school, the Wichita flag wasn't around. Like, I don't think anyone could have known what the Wichita flag looked like back Mm -hmm. then. Um, so anyways, fast forward, uh, we moved back in November of 2016. Um, in April of 2017, um, I, I wasn't really big on social media to begin with. I didn't, I think I had a couple pictures on my personal Instagram. Um, but I just started an Instagram account called Wichita life ICT. Um, again, all of my friends had moved out, but I thought Wichita was still really cool. Our families were still here, but we just thought, um, the vibe in the City was cool, like a lot of up and coming entrepreneurs and just cool stuff to do, cool places to eat. We have a cool river. Um, just started kind of highlighting cool stuff around town. Um, and that caught on really quick. It was before there was a lot of that type of thing. So really, I didn't have a goal. It wasn't like I'm going to be a huge entrepreneur from this. It was, I'm just going to post cool stuff. Maybe if I have an idea down the road, um, I can use this platform to kind of amplify that. Um, I think looking back, as like in college, I always tried to think of an idea, but I always tried to hit a home run. So it was like, I watched a social network. It's like, okay, I need to make the next Facebook. Right. But it's like, really, I should have just sold something to someone. Um, but kind of continuing the story, I uh, started the Instagram, it caught on, kind of branched off to the other social media. Um, about a year later, um, again, I'm an engineer. And so I listen to a lot of podcasts at work with don't really talk to people as much as I probably need to or should, but um, always plugged in back then. It was probably Joe Rogan, Tim Ferriss, how I built this, that kind of stuff. I'm like, I could do this. I could just talk to people. Right. And, yeah. Kind of hear people's stories. So started a podcast, um, which I'm still doing five years later. Um, yeah, and it's just kind of grown year over year. Um, the most recent kind of iteration of things is our email newsletter. Um, so we've been doing that for a few years now. Um, and it's grown to over 15,000 subscribers. Um, 
pretty high open rates, about eight to 9,000 people read each email. Um, yeah. So I mean, we can dive in deeper to any of that, but yeah, that's kind of the overview. I think it's just incredible though, how you had an idea, you started and you started doing it and just to see the way that you've transformed as a person, because this initially started off as you wanting to share with your friends what was going on in Wichita. And now I, I know you, we, we've talked, yeah, we've yeah. had conversations offline and you've developed a strategy around this and you've really built your own independent media operation. Sure. And that's just incredible. And it's something that likely you didn't predict whenever you started. I know I didn't whenever I started either, but the opportunities that that now brings to you for having that digital asset, can you talk a little bit to that and maybe what the strategy is now, what the goal is moving forward? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think for the longest time, I mean, after a few years, like once we kind of got to, I mean, tens of thousands of uh, social media followers and stuff, and then we had the podcast, which was getting, I don't know, 100, 200 listens. I don't, I don't remember. I'd have to look back exactly how many listens. But it was like I wanted to do it full time, but I wasn't going to take the risk of I had uh, my first daughter was born a little over three years ago. So it was like I have a family. I have a wife to take care of. I'm not going to quit to be an influencer. Like I, I don't view myself as that. It's just that right. happens to be the biggest asset at that time. So I started looking into, okay, podcasting. People make a living on podcasting. What does that look like? And there is a big podcast um, that's still around but it was called How to Film Weddings. Um, and they <clears throat> they were, I mean, making millions off their podcast. There was mm -hmm. a guy from Wichita and a guy from Tulsa. And so uh, they started a new podcast called How to Make a Podcast. And so uh, through the grapevine, one of the guy in Wichita, his wife shot the wedding for my wife and I. Um, and so we kind of knew them and he knew I had a podcast. So he invited me to take his course for free and just provide feedback. So I took his podcasting course. And the first thing they said is that you should have an email list. And so to me, I was like, okay, I don't have an email list. I've emailed people. So I scraped the emails from the four previous years of running Wichita Life and sent out the first one. But it was like, I don't want to be too promotional with just promoting my podcast. So I'm going to put in a couple like events coming on and a couple like news stories and then plug my podcast to kind of get it. And it was a weekly thing. Um, not very good. Looking back, it's <laughs> very, very, very ugly, uh, which is like the Facebook. If you launch too late, if it's pretty, you launch too late or whatever it looks, whatever that quote is. Um, but so then... Fast forward another six months and I got kind of more into Twitter. Like I'd always had Twitter since, I mean, early college, but didn't really use it a whole lot. Um, and I kind of stumbled upon like the startup ecosystem on Twitter, but also like the newsletter ecosystem. So I started reading Morning Brew, The Hustle. Um, and then I started to see people that were doing these local newsletters. I'm like, oh, I was like, I'm already kind of doing this. This is like what it looks like well done. And so doing that is like, okay. I actually see a vision now. Like this can be actual steady income. I can book out advertisers. I was just sending it once a week. I now send it three times a week. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, like I said, I have over 15,000 email subscribers, um, which I still think is just a fraction. Um, I think Wichita proper has like 400,000 people. The greater Wichita area, depending on how you define it, kind of the smaller greater Wichita area is like 640, 650,000 people. I'm like, okay, I'm a drop in the bucket. I'm like, even if I can capture a little bit more of that, it's like I can make a living and then some. And then it's like, okay, what's the next thing I can do? It's like, okay, where's Wichita Eagle at? How much do they have 50,000? I was like, I could get that in a couple of years. And then I'm the de facto news source in Wichita. And so I don't know what, what that looks like in a few years, but um, yeah, I mean, I just think just keep growing and try to be, I mean, kind of the go-to news source for Wichita. You see, that's incredible because 15,000 subscribers, compare that to YouTube, Instagram, influencers, whatever, that doesn't sound like a lot, but you have to understand the local value that you have because this is Wichita-centric and your open mm -hmm. rates are so high and it's email, which has a different level of conversion value than YouTube or Twitter or elsewhere. Sure. It is incredible the fact that you have 15,000 people in Wichita that are doing this. And I know a lot of my listeners aren't based out of Wichita, so they might be thinking like, 
man, quit talking about Wichita. Why is all this about <laughs> Wichita? But the idea, the idea of having a local media asset within wherever you are, the, the value that can come from that, from the doors that'll open, the people that you'll meet, the opportunities you'll have, like you talking about taking over Wichita Eagle and having more, um, more subscribers than they have, there's real value in that. You had talked to me pr- uh, previously about the idea that you can be acquired, like your business can be literally bought or sold to another company because of what you've built up and the rate that you're at right now. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just interesting to think about, um, I say 15,000 and again, like eight or 9,000 people open that at any time. And I, I try to like clean up the list and there's some strategies around that. Um, for any email newsletter, you don't want to be sending to people that never open it, but you think of, let's just call it 10,000 people. I'm like, that's a full Coke arena of people. And it's like, wow, like, holy crap, holy cow. That's a lot of people that you're speaking to every day. And it's like, it might not seem like that, but you go look at like, okay, legitimately that's many people and hundreds of people will click on a link to go to a new business or an event or something. And we're kind of helping make that happen. It's incredible because like you've built this without maybe knowing you've built yourself as the face of this brand. And so people now go to Landon Mm -hmm. to figure out things about Wichita and the different opportunities that are here. And I think that one of the the things I want to talk to you two about is just the importance of building these own independent media assets. Because I think traditional media, we kind of talk about that. There's been a lot of issues with, well, what's reality, what's going on, how is this skewed? And I think with you being able to dictate what you're saying and how you're saying it and and do your own fact checking, I think there's a lot of value in producing your own local media. For sure. And I think part of that too is like the, I mean, any city you go to local newspapers and local media is kind of going downhill. Like people don't read the newspaper newspaper as much anymore. Um, A lot of it has moved digital, but it's like, you talk to anybody my age or your age, it's like nobody buys the newspaper anymore. Like they might read it online. Um, We always link back to it. If we learn, I mean, I use the Wichita Eagle as a big resource um, as well as local bloggers and some of the news channels and their websites to link back to things. But um, one of the biggest things I hear is like people are complaining about they click on a Wichita Eagle article because I link to it and they're like, oh, I have have to pay for this. And I'm like, okay, like, yeah, I mean, they have to get paid for it. But like, I, not me personally, I didn't invent the model, but like we've kind of flipped the model on its head. Like it's free. I'm not going to charge you for this news. News should be free. And so, but this money's got to come from somewhere and that kind of plays into the advertising model, which I think a lot of kind of independent media relies on that until you can build up either affiliates or your own products or whatever that looks like. And I I think that's so interesting because I think of myself specifically, I will not pay to read an article like that to me is the most absurd thing ever. Mm -hmm. Um, I did have a membership to one of the local business journals uh, and I went to cancel it. They don't have like a support line. So they make it an entire hassle to get your, to cancel your subscription. And I think that the old way of doing business is the old way and people are not wanting to do that anymore. So I think you're on the forefront of a real opportunity and something that I think a lot of my listeners could take advantage of in their perspective cities. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it could be a real advantage for them. Yeah, for sure. And that's another thing is like, I make it as easy as possible to get in touch with me. I've got a Google form at the bottom. You can kind of provide feedback, which is nice for me because it's organized within kind of Google. But I welcome people to reply to every email. And I reply to every email that I get. Like I, some Mondays, it's like I've got 50 emails. I'm like, great. I'm starting kind of at a deficit now because I asked for feedback and they gave feedback, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, I, I reply to every email. If I missed you, I'm sorry. But uh, <laughs> I, I do try to reply to everything. And I think that's important. I think there's corporations and like, the Wichita Eagle isn't even locally owned anymore. It's owned by McClatchy who owns a bunch of them across the nation. And th- those are all kind of getting rolled up all the local media. So I think it's definitely important um, for that aspect, but also like, are you going to trust the Wichita Eagle? Like name, like there's definitely people like great reporters and uh, um, Carrie Rangers or um, again, we're getting a little hyper local, but um, dining with Denise is like a, a blog or 
a column and the Eagle that everyone trusts, like they like their stuff. But like, besides that, do you know a face with your local newspaper? Probably not. But like, hopefully when you think of like local news, yeah, you think of maybe not even me, but like Wichita life as like a source that you can trust that again, I'll, I'll talk back to you. If you have a question, like where's the best sushi in town, I'll do my best. If I don't know, I'll try to find an answer. But I think there's like a trust aspect that's a completely different in the new age versus the old age. That matters a ton. I think it's neat how you built this, not just from the newsletter, but as a, a multifaceted brand, right? You have the podcast, you do have the newsletter, you have the Instagram page, and you're still relatively just a one-man shop. Like, how how difficult is that for you to manage all this by yourself? It's very difficult. So, yeah, like I mentioned, I'm an engineer by trade. Um, luckily, some people hear of Coke Industries and they think of the Coke brothers and whatever, whatever you might have preconceived notion about that. Um, some people think one, whatever, the evil political side of things or like you get work to the bone. I've been blessed. Like the group I have, I work 40 hours a week. So I, they're not working us to the bone, which is good. Um, so I, I do have some time, but I've got three kids now. I've, I've got a wife of eight years in the fall. Um, and so, yeah, it's just trying to find time over lunch like we're doing now, before work, after work, late nights, early mornings, uh, just to get it done. So yeah, it's definitely hard to kind of balance that. Um, and I've tried a few things, like I've tried to hire, um, kind of a part-time assistant to help with like the event side of things. And it worked out for a while. And then there were some conflicts on her end. Um, lately, uh, I tried to use chat GPT a little bit to help out just to kind of format nice. stuff. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's difficult, but yeah, I think just kind of juggling everything. And, um, I think the biggest thing for me is like trying to prioritize, okay, what's the, the biggest portion of the media company or the business? Um, Austin reef is one of the co-founders of morning brew. And he basically, I, this is a really good framework. I actually have it on the background of my phone, but um, uh, write, grow, sell. Like that's all that matters for a newsletter business. You have to write the product. You have to make the best product possible. You need to grow it so you can continue to grow revenue, send it to more people, and you need to sell. You need to sell the ad spots. So really, if I'm not doing those things, those three things, like for enough days in a row, I'm like, okay, what am I doing? I need to kind of reorient myself and focus on the core of the business. Yeah. And for people, they may not realize, they may be thinking, what is the value in a newsletter or what is like, how does that make money or how does that work? Morning Brew is a great example. Yeah. Do you know what they exited for? 75, I think. Yeah. yeah. So, so Morning Brew is this business newsletter started by two Michigan students. It was, I believe, the yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Michigan students while they were in college. And within a couple of years, they'd grown this up to this really large base of college mm-hmm. students. And they ended up selling, similar to what Landon's doing, their media business for $75 million. Like that's just incredible. To, yeah. You can't fathom those numbers, the fact that came from a newsletter. Yeah. And the similar story is The Hustle. Sam Parr sold for, reportedly, it was in the ballpark of 25 to $30 million. Very similar. I think I like the way Morning Brew is formatted a little bit more, but the, they're both great. It's I think the, the goal is... It's almost like a, like if the regular newspaper is almost like a, I don't know, like a sanitary version. I don't know how to, how to put that. It's just kind of straightforward. There's not a lot of like flavor or there's no, not going to be sarcasm. There's not going to be, it's not like you're talking to a friend. Mm-hmm. That's the goal of like Morning Brew, The Hustle, The Wichita Life Update. It's like I'm telling you the news. Right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw jokes in there. I'm going to make jokes about in Wichita specific. There's kind of an east versus west side battle. It's kind of a joke, um, which side you live on. Throw some jokes like in that about it. Uh, but it's just having fun and you might rewrite, write it once. Um, ideally I'd have more time. I'd probably go through and rewrite it a couple times. Uh, but yeah, just kind of adding some flavor, having my voice tell you the news. Like it should sound like I'm telling it to you. The majority of the people, especially my age and your age, no longer want it to just be a bland fact. They want that personality. Yeah. They, they want to know who's behind it. And I think, uh, my generation is doing a, a really good job of supporting, 
like local people or, or smaller people who are trying to build something, they're they're earlier in the adoption curve yeah. rather than looking for something that's super established. It's like, whoa, like he's trying to do something. Let's get behind him. And I like the voice and the authenticity of what he's doing. For sure. And I think, yeah, kind of younger millennials to Gen Z care more about like the story behind a business than anything else. And so appreciate you letting me share this story. Um, I think one thing that I learned, I think I kind of knew it, but I've kind of learned, uh, I just turned 31. So I'm a little bit older than you, but I went, um, and spoke for, uh, one of the professor at Wichita States, um, class last year, kind of the marketing 101 or whatever the class was. And they had an assignment that was basically like, how can the Wichita life update reach the 18 to 24 demographic? Right. And some of their projects, they were all like, I don't know, three to four page papers. It was a pretty small project, like a, a small assignment. But, uh, a lot of them said like, don't do email. Because Gen Z apparently doesn't read emails unless they have to for school or whatever. Um, And so that's been something I've been trying to figure out. Like, okay, have social media. We've got podcasts, got the newsletter. I'm looking into like uh, SMS texting, if that makes sense, to do like just whatever, top five or ten events for the day or the week or whatever that looks like. So I'm kind of looking into that to see how that might work. But, yeah, it's always try to evolve what's next, see what else you can add on. Have you done or have you considered doing like a daily TikTok or Instagram reel of like, hey, here's what's going on in Wichita? Um, not really. I, so I do like a weekly kind of a, what's coming up this weekend for events. Um, I tried to do, I mean, it was very low effort and it was probably why I did poorly, but it was just like kind of scrolling through showing the events. Um, I was traveling and I just wanted to get something up. Um, but that, yeah, that might not be a bad idea. I think part of me is like, I don't want to have things that are too, like the email is obviously very timely. Like if you missed that email a week later, like the events don't really matter. The events might not matter anymore, whatever that looks like. Um, so it's like, how can I make more timeless stuff? So on social media, show off restaurants, which again, those may or may not be in business in a year, but at least I can highlight that business and people can go back and find that. But I think my only struggle, and this might just be a poor take on it, but like for a TikTok or a a reel or something that might get caught up in the algorithm, but like those events might not matter in a week, if that makes sense. Like I'll, I'll do a kind of a recap, like of taco fest or something like that. But like for upcoming events, that's kind of where I struggle, which again, challenge me on that. If that's not a good take on it, but I would say from the standpoint of an algorithm, you're right. It's probably not going to go like mega viral, Mm -hmm. but from the relevancy of today's daily, here's what's happening. I think morning brew and a couple other places that are like that. They they do have it now. Yeah. They'll do like a daily rundown and they'll post that to their Instagram and to, into their TikTok. And what's good about that is you're not going to get this explosive growth and great engagement from everyone but you're going to get that core group of people that are sending this to their friends like, hey, sure, this is going sure, on today, yeah. this is happening. And that might be a new audience or a new way to reach that demographic if someone hasn't heard of you from the it's newsletter. Yeah, and I think I'm always trying to see, okay, I'm doing all this work for the newsletter. How can I repurpose that? So that might be, yeah, five minutes in the morning, read off what the events are for the day and post. That's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. and plus, I mean, with all the different like AI tools and it's right. so easy to edit now, you can put in t- a couple of graphics. I think you could probably... I mean, it's definitely going to take a lot of some effort, but you can do it relatively low effort. Yeah, for sure. That makes sense. Yeah. So I do have a question because this is something that I I think is, I'll I'll phrase it this way. When you got started, you didn't have much traction. No one does when they get started, likely. And whenever you first were facing difficulty and challenge because you had a job, you had a wife, maybe you had your first kid at that point, and you weren't seeing overwhelming success why was it that you continued to do Wichita life instead of thinking, well, I've got a very good paying job. I've got a wife and a family. Let's just do that full time. Yeah, for sure. I think kind of calling back to what I said, I've always, I think wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I didn't know what that looked like. I was definitely kind of the entrepreneur uh, <laughs> through college. Like I think I had a friend in uh, college and we would always be like, oh, let's brainstorm ideas. And we'd come up with ideas, but it was, they were way too big. It was like, 
I should have just started an Instagram or started an email newsletter. It wasn't a thing in 2011, 2012, but like I should have just started something. Um, and so I think even if it was just a little bit of traction, uh, like the Instagram started growing decently. And the funny part of that story is I didn't tell my wife about it. And so she like found out about it. Like I was posting, I was at my parents' house one day. She's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, just this thing I started. And I think I had like 5,000 followers already or something, which yeah. is like pretty, pretty big for Wichita at the time. Um, and so uh, I think just seeing a little bit of growth and like just saying like, okay, I know this can be bigger. Like there's so many people in Wichita, like there's almost half a million people just in the city of Wichita. I'm like, surely I can reach a decent portion of that. And then it's, I think it's just always fun to kind of keep branching out like podcasting. I just really like podcasts. I've listened to podcasts since college, the long form interview podcasts have always been fun. Um, the first time I did that, like I, I have a uh, sponsor for the podcast, but like, I don't make money off the podcast. It barely covers the fees of stuff. Um, but my first podcast was my brother had just won a national championship as the quarterback at Garden City Juco, and he was about to go play D1 football. And I'm like, hey, that's, that's, cool. a, that's a cool story. Let's just record a conversation about it. So for 30 minutes, I put my phone on the table, and we just talked. Um, so I think it's just solely there's always something new to add on. It's just fun. I think it allows me as like a to have a creative outlet. Um, I'm an engineer, so I don't think a lot of people expect me to even be on a podcast. Right. Um, and I, I think my communication, uh, it's not amazing, but it's definitely gotten better since I've been a podcaster. Um yeah, I think it's just continuing to, I mean, add on different things. Um, yeah, and keep growing. So what is very, what is very important with what you do is the consistency. It's putting out the newsletter two or three times a week, and the podcast and yeah. everything else you've going on. Whenever, like I was talking about before, you had that resistance of, oh, I've got a job, a wife, and, and a daughter, and children, everything mm -hmm. else going on. I mean, did it ever cross your mind to stop doing this because it's like, oh, this is an extra thing on my plate. I'm staying up late trying to get this out. It's just a hassle. Or was it always like, no, this is going to become something? Um, I Like I never thought about quitting per se. Um, like the podcast, like I think some people, and maybe you do this real conversations, but like they have seasons. I wish I would have started like doing a season at a time. Yeah, I've never done that. So now it's just like my goal is always like one or two a month, but like it'll have been three months since I did one or something. Um, so the podcast is always like, I never quit. I just haven't done one in a while. <laughs> but like the social media stuff, like again, I started six years ago this past April. And I think the biggest thing between me and the few dozen Wichita Life-ish uh, pages that have popped up is I'm just more consistent. Like it's, I'm not special. Like my content's not great. Yeah. Like it's just, I just show up almost every day. Like we've, I don't know what the average is, but it's definitely, I think we have over like 4,000 Instagram posts. So it's like more Crazy. than a couple, one or two a day. So it's like, yeah, it's just being consistent. Like it's, it, there's really not that much to, I think that's a, a lot of life though. I think everybody's looking for the silver bullet to be the next big thing or like success overnight. And I think I'll probably get some of that, the people that haven't heard my story when I eventually quit Coke in a few years, hopefully. <laughs> um, no one from Coke listens. <laughs> uh, if, if, or when that happens in a few years, uh, some people might be like, Oh wow, that's overnight success. Be like, Oh, I mean, Sure. <laughs> oh, seven years is overnight, then sure, yeah, whatever you say. But yeah, I think I never really thought about quitting. It was just like a, a little bit at a time. And like if it takes a late night to edit a podcast and get that out, it's one night and then it's out. And so whatever the next thing is like, you just got to get through this. Like sometimes writing the newsletter doesn't happen until midnight or 1 a.m. I got to get up early and go work out because I've got kids and I can't work out after work. It's like I just got to get through that, get through it, and it'll, it'll get done and get the content out, yeah. But that's the difference. I don't think most people are willing to do that. And I think – it's really cool to see how consistency compounds. Yeah. Like for myself personally, I've always thought podcasting is great. I love them and continue to do it. So it's been about four and a half years since I started. Yeah. I actually come up on five now. Yeah. Um, 
or did I just cross? I don't know. I'll do the sure, math later. Sure. But anyways, uh, and so this is something I'm going to continue to do and it's starting to show results. I'm very happy with it. But in my head, it's like, this is not my big thing. There's still other big exactly. entrepreneurial things I'm going to do. But as long as I continue to do this and be consistent, who knows where this could also take me and what doors it could also open. Absolutely. And it, yeah, it kind of just keeps you on track for sure. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, on that point, uh, I think Naval talks about it, but it's just like, and it's kind of just common sense, but like everything compounds. Money compounds. I think relationships compound. Uh, Naval talks a lot about that. Like uh, examples like marriage, like the more, the longer you've been married, it just compounds. Like you, you shouldn't have to question if you trust this person or like what that looks like. It's like everything, even like our friendship, like we're to this point now, we haven't known each other that long, but it's like, it continues to compound. And it's like, I could refer you to something or vice versa. And it's like, we don't expect anything in return, but we're just becoming better friends over a longer time or your venture. Yeah. You have whatever, however many podcasts you have, hundreds of podcasts. It's like one person could then find this next week and be like, oh, wow, there's a backlog of 300 podcasts and then go listen to 300 hours of your podcast. So it's like over one day, one person turned into 300 hours of listening for you, which then if you wanted to advertise or sponsor it or whatever, get advertisers, that pays off. So I always love thinking about like, do you think of degree of connections? If you go out one degree mm-hmm. and then two, and then you can square it, then you can cube it, then mm-hmm. on and on from there. And like how quickly things can grow exponentially. And so it's always like, there's ever a thought of quitting. I always just think to myself, man, like you could be one upload or one phone call, one email away from that breakthrough because For you sure. often can't tell where that inflection point is. But as long as you continue with that consistency, mm-hmm. you're bound to hit it at some point. For sure. And I feel like I, I can't point to a specific example, but it's like, I don't know, somebody that works for like, like I used to listen to Gary Vaynerchuk or like Mr. Beast or somebody. It's like they, somebody that's working with them probably just got on the radar because they posted one thing one day or um, I listened to my first million podcast a lot. Yep. Um, they had a producer. He just left Ben, but uh he was only on there because he had a podcast, small podcast of his own, how to take over the world that Sam stumbled upon. He loved it. He called it out on the big podcast yep. that blew up. They hired him on. It was just crazy. It's like, just because he was doing something that he loved, it wasn't big. And then it became big. Oh, so I didn't realize Ben was from how to take over the world. I'd yeah. heard of that podcast. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, it's great. Yeah. Through, through acquired. Cause the acquired yep. guys are big fans and yep. David Tenro too. So yeah, it was, it was fairly small. And then I think it blew up because Sam Parr on my first million, like shouted, he's like, I found this podcast. It's awesome. And then like shortly after that, they hired him on as their producer. And then he's recently quit to go just do how to take over the world. That's incredible. So it's like crazy. Like literally like he just kept posting. He was listening to my first million and they started talking about how to take over the world. And he's like, that must be a different podcast. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way that's mine. And yeah, it's pretty cool. It's really cool too, because what you're talking about and kind of how all of that just transpired, you guys may not know the names, the people we've talked about, they run podcasts, they've yeah, done yeah. pretty well. But I think what's important about that is the there's levels to the game and there's people that are on different levels. And so you have the new person, you have the person to step up above the ladder. You have the person who's doing really well. You have the person doing pretty well. Then you have the person about them doing like really well, top 1% well. And so if you can climb that ladder and you get people to help you, then they'll open new doors and new opportunities, just like Ben did with uh, mm-hmm. how to take over the world yeah. in my first million. And now he's doing that full time. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, that's for sure. It's really cool. And I think that's the thing, like the, again, which specific, it's like, the entrepreneurial ecosystem here, like everybody wants to help each other. And mm-hmm. I think that's important. But then kind of on the flip side, it's like, if you make it at all, like I've got a little bit of success, but it's like, I think it, it, it's our responsibility. I can't remember who it was. I think there was a, like some NBA players or somebody. It was like, they were saying it's their responsibility to bring up the next people. Right. So like Kobe would work with Jason Tatum or whoever, or Devin Booker. It's like, they felt the responsibility to help make that next generation great. And I think I love that idea. It's like, we, I've got a little bit of traction here in Wichita. It's like, who can I help bring up 
to help them make it then. And then that just spurs, they can help two or three other people. And it just, again, compounds, everything compounds. Exactly. Yeah. Back to the compounding. I love it. Uh, one of the things that I kind of want to talk about too, was how do you view entrepreneurship? Because for me, I've always thought of wanting to live an exciting and adventurous life. And for me, entrepreneurship is one of the best pathways to living that exciting and adventurous life. Mm-hmm. So how do you conceptualize that? Yeah, I agree. And I think the biggest thing for me, which I'm working towards, so I'm, I'm kind of early in on that still is like freedom, right? So I don't have to show up at a certain time at a certain place to do something that I might not want to do. So it's like, I don't, do I hate my job right now? I don't hate my job. Like I love the people I work with. I don't mind what I do. Some days I'm excited. Other days I'm like, okay, I don't really want to work on pipelines today. <laughs> but, uh, but like Wichita life gets me excited. Like there's always something. I'm not, my, the wheels are constantly turning. I'm constantly telling my wife Candace about an idea. And she's like, well, that's kind of dumb. Or that's a really good idea. Like you should pursue that. Um, and I think that's like, it just always running in the background. I think that's what entrepreneurship is for a lot of people. Just the freedom to, uh, pursue whatever that, whatever excites you. And then, um, yeah, just, I mean, I think chasing it and see, seeing if you can make it happen. Set, set goals, set big goals, set small goals, and kind of push towards those. That chasing it concept is such, it is such a fun part of it because it's like that what if game you play in your head of like, what if, what if this worked out and we had an incredible outcome and, yeah. you know, you can make a lot of money, you can meet incredible people, you can have th- these amazing experiences. And I really do that believe, really do believe that like the top 1% of experiences, you really have to climb a ladder to get there. Like mm-hmm. you're often not just going to be handed it unless you're born into some trust fund from a billionaire or some situation like that. Oh, for sure. But you have to find a way to get there by yourself. And I think that's something that's like incredibly difficult, but it's so worth it at the end if you can make it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think by definition, if you're going to have an above average life, you have to go above and beyond, right? Like the average person isn't going to have an extraordinary life just because they're not pursuing the things. They're not willing to put in the extra effort after their real job to go pursue a side hustle or whatever that looks like. Or, I mean, like you said, this is a podcast about top performers for people that want to or are top performers. And I think a lot of these people will understand it and they'll be like, oh, of course, of course I'm going to work on something after my day job. But yeah, again, I mean, I have a lot of friends, which nothing wrong with that. Like they would rather just hang out and go play pickleball or whatever else. And I, I love pickleball, but like, um, some of my wife's friends, um, they'll say like, whatever, their husband went golfing or went on a big fishing trip. And it's like, well, what does Landon do? And sometimes Candace is like, I mean, he builds Wichita life. That's, yeah. that's my hobby. I enjoy it. Like I enjoy the podcast editing. I enjoy going and recording podcasts. Um, I enjoy just kind of writing and building the newsletter. Cause I don't know. It's just, it's fun to build something. And like, even if it ended tomorrow, it's like, okay, I've learned so much. I could go start something tomorrow and get back to where I am in way shorter amount of time. And I think that's just exciting to think about. Mm-hmm. It, I have, I'm fortunate to have a great group of mentors and entrepreneurs here in Wichita that have done well for the, themselves. And one of the things they continue to talk to me about is be careful about getting a job. Like this is advice they offer to all students after college, because once you start seeing that paycheck come in, mm-hmm. it's very easy to get comfortable and to de-risk yourself and to think, wow, you know, that'll cover food. That'll cover a night going out. That'll cover rent. Maybe I can put a car payment down. Like, like you start thinking, how oh, can yeah. I spend all of this money? And you really, it becomes so much harder to go off of a paycheck and really take a risk and go after something that could have perhaps been more exciting and more fruitful if you would have just been willing to endure it. So I often go back and forth on that concept. Yeah, I think, yeah, for sure. It's like the golden handcuffs. Um, uh, again, and referencing Naval again, I've been listening to a lot of his little podcasts, but he referenced Nassim Tlaib, or Tlaib, whatever you say, however you say his name, quote, um, it's few things are more addictive than, it's like heroin and a monthly salary. So it's like, yeah, it's true. Like it's, it's like, it's not scary to me, but it's like, that's in the back of my head. Like if I decide to quit in a year, like I go from a steady engineer salary to now I got to provide for 
three kids and a wife, like, what does that look like? And so, yeah, I mean, I agree. I think it's, you get used to it. I think it would have been different had, um, I mean, I, we got married the fall after we graduated in May of college, but it's like, even then, like I would have had way more risk. Like we could have just moved, both of our parents live in the area. We could have just lived with them if I started this back then. But yeah, so yeah, I agree with that. I think a lot of people, you touched on this earlier, they're kind of that entrepreneur category or not even if they want to be an entrepreneur, but they just want to have that exciting life, the element of things mm-hmm. other people may not get to experience. And I think you are a good example of, okay, so you have a job, you've got a family, you need to have a little bit of that security, but you're still finding a way to get, and I hate the word, but side hustle. You have yeah, this yeah. side hustle going on. Can you talk about that from a practical standpoint for you? Because I think some people might be in your similar position with the responsibilities they may have, but they want to exit into that entrepreneurial life. Yeah. I think it's just finding something that you can do. Um, I mean, if you know how to code, that's an easy one. My brother's a programmer. He's living in Mexico right now because he knows how to code <laughs> and does stuff online. Um, I think my, basically there's like three, three different ways. It's like capital, um, coding or, uh, like media, basically like content. audience content. There we go. Yeah. The three C I knew it was the C. Um, but yeah, so it's like, there's only a few ways to get leverage if you don't have like people to leverage. Um, so it's like, I use media, my brother uses coding. It's like, you got to find something. But I think the biggest thing people try to do is like, they try to reinvent the wheel. Um, I'm always talking to one of my brother's friends, like he, he's trying to kind of exit the rat race. Um, but he's like, I got to start something. I'm like, okay, but you've never started anything. And you're trying to come up with something like brand new. Like you're not going to, again, I go back to the Facebook example. You're not going to start Facebook. You need to find something that someone else is doing, do it slightly better, sell it, package it in a different way and go sell that. And then you can build from there. Like, it's not that, it's really not that hard. It's like sell something to someone is really all a business is or a side hustle is. Um, I listen to a lot of Alex Ramosi now and his whole thing is like, it's like one channel, one product, one channel, one avatar. You need to sell one thing to one person via one channel, whether that's Instagram or e-commerce and push it on Facebook ads, whatever that is. Like he said, you can get to seven figures easy doing that. And then from there, you got to kind of branch out multiple avatars, multiple channels, whatever that looks like. But it's like, you just have to find something to sell to someone. I hate when people say easy though, because I always feel like they mean like you got to be focused and got to have the drive. Cause I, you know, I feel like people online, they see the online courses or the Instagram posts and it's like, dude, making a million bucks is so easy. And right. I'm like, okay. It's, it's simple. Yeah. Not easy. Yeah. Like it's very easy to break it down. Like if you have um, an example that I've heard on my first million is like a guy sold um, like dog ramps to get on a bed. Dog ramps. That's like, a, like a ramp to, for a small dog to get on a bed. Like I know that existed. Bed. Yeah. Like uh, eight figure business annually. So it's like, it's so simple. And I bet he just targets pet owners on Facebook. Is that easy? No. Like he had to figure out what that product was going to be. He had to figure out how to kind of tune the audience on Facebook. But like, once you get it, it's fairly simple. It's a dog ramp. It's not like it's a rocket ship. And sell that to dog lovers. People love to spend money on their animals. Like it's it's not hard. It's simple, but it's again, it's not going to be easy, but it's going to be simple. I think it's really cool that you talked about this earlier. It, you can have a typical business that other people you, you see in like a restaurant, or you can have a hotel, or you can have a laundromat. You just have to be incrementally better than your competitor. Mm-hmm. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. Like if you want to invent Facebook, that's great. I would encourage you to go after it. I don't want anyone to you know think small. But from a very practical standpoint, you just have to be incrementally better than your nearest competitor. And if you're competing on a local market, like take Wichita, for example, Mm -hmm. and you have an idea for a different way to do a gym, like you just need to be that much better than your nearest competitor in your local market. And then you're you're good. Yeah. It's like I encourage people to take big swings, but I think a lot of the time it's like you almost have to have like a a small win. 
and then you can take a big swing because then you whatever you have the um safety net you have the experience whatever that looks like like you you might not sell a 10 million dollar business on your first business you might have to go yeah do something small first but i think that's uh to your point i think that's the reason a lot of people are going in and rolling up like laundromats or um you see people doing like uh vending machines or something like that it's like the vending machine i could go buy a vending machine if that one takes cash i can just put a card reader on it okay i'm incrementally better than that one i'm gonna get more sales because i never carry cash card or like lawn companies um just apply software to those instead of going to pick up 100 checks that week have it all automated so it's like there's such small things you can do to businesses that you could beat everyone else in town so it's like you, again you don't have to reinvent the wheel people need to, need to simplify it and pick something and go for it and you're gonna fail but it's like you just have to start somewhere or you just brought up a, a great idea here when you mentioned lawn mowing, the idea of putting content around things that typical people do. Right. Uh, I'm assuming you've heard and seen SB mowing. I'm actually re- interviewing him in two weeks right here. So That's incredible. Yeah. I'm looking forward to hearing that yeah, episode. Yeah. Uh, SB mowing, do, what's his actual name? I don't know. I, I knew it a couple of weeks ago when I first, I, I had heard about him a while back and then I looked him up and um, I, I don't remember his real name. So he's this guy from Wichita. This is the craziest thing because it's not just a Wichita thing. He will go around and he started a lawn care company. What he does is he finds the worst lawns in Wichita and maybe expands further out than mm-hmm. that. But he goes and he finds the owner and he offers to mow their lawn for free and like do all of the cleanup. And what he'll do is he'll record himself on his camera. He'll edit it and he'll put it up on YouTube. And he's got over a million subscribers. Yeah, I, I was literally just looking at it before I came here. He's got 1.3 or 1.4 on YouTube and 1.4 on Instagram. Million. million. He's yeah. he's huge. And he's making significant money from this. More than if you were just going to start a lawn care company, right. likely. He is doing incredible. He's not even charging the customers right. that he's doing it with. And so if you have something that... And I think people like is it's satisfying. You know, you see like this really Very dirty satisfying. lawn. Especially when it is power washing. Very satisfying. And so I think the idea of that, yeah, lawn mowing, power yeah, washing, yeah. like just things that you can put content around, you can build these digital assets. Yeah. Like we are no longer in an age where you need to own real estate to be independently wealthy or you need to have a physical, tangible asset. Like digital assets like podcasts, email newsletters, Instagram followings, all of these things are highly monetizable. Yeah, for sure. I think that's something too, just kind of on the investment portion of things. It's like, I think I like the idea of having a rental home and it probably is. A, I mean, it is a great idea if you have the time or you have the resources to fix stuff up or the knowledge, whatever. But it's like, I, I look at that and I have a friend that like, that's his kind of retirement portfolio. Like he plans on just having however 40 or 50 re- rental homes, which mm-hmm. is awesome. But then I was talking to him about, he's like, yeah, but you have Wichita life. Like you have the leverage, like you have that asset. Like I just prefer physically, he likes fixing up houses. He rebuilt his own house. Like it's like, it's so interesting to think about, like you might have a skill set, yeah, to whatever, drywall or fix up your house. But it's like, to me, that's kind of a lot of work. Like I'm gonna, I might stay in the digital realm for now. And there's so much you can do on the digital side of things. That I think that's where I want to kind of stick for now. What I like about the digital realm too is I view debt as a tool that can definitely be used to help you get leverage for real estate and different businesses. Like debt is absolutely necessary. And that's how arguably some of the richest people in the world have made a lot of their money is by leveraging debt. But what I personally like about digital assets is that you can start for next to nothing, low cost. Your your, uh, minimal viable product can just be you with a phone Mm -hmm. recording a podcast like you did, like I started with. And then as you start to generate money or you have extra income, you can start to upgrade your equipment, but you don't have to utilize debt. You can build these multi-million dollar assets without debt. Exactly. And an interesting kind of case study that's come up recently in the newsletter aspect. So maybe if somebody's interested in a newsletter, this is kind of something they can go with. But um, the tool is called Sparkloop. 
Um, and so it's basically just like a referral engine, but they've recently in the last few months built like a, um, creator network. So if I'm running a Facebook ad or running an ad and it's for you to sign up for the Witch life update, you put your email in, you hit subscribe and it'll pop up with three to five different options of newsletters that I'm recommending to you. If you sign up for those, I could get two to $5 a piece. So let's say I spend $2 to get your email, but I make $5 from signing up these other ones is like, I'm making, I'm profitable from day one. So I think there's, like you mentioned, there's just so many low cost options. Like that's kind of a no brainer. Like if you have an idea, go, go try it. And as you build, like you'll hopefully be making money through that. And then once you get big, you can actually charge advertisers, which they have another network for that. So it's, it's super interesting kind of the options that are available today. Yeah. This is one of the coolest times to ever be alive because the excuse of not having time or resources to start a business is almost non-existent. Right. Like you're an example of having a full-time job.